Can you all hear me all right? Yeah. We're trying a new thing of putting the microphones upside down because apparently that helps. Is that okay? Right. <laughs> oh, it's still popped, anyway. Uh, right, so um, over the past few weeks, uh, we've had this great uh, series called Unsung Heroes. Uh, just a bit of a show of hands if you've been enjoying this series. Good, that's good. <laughs> Would have been bad if no one had put their hand up then, wouldn't it? But yeah, it was good, yeah. Um, and it's just been a really great opportunity to hear about some of the people that we perhaps wouldn't normally focus on uh, from the Bible. They may not be the big names, the big stars of the Bible, but each of these heroes that we've talked about over the past few weeks has got something that they can teach us. And uh, so the person that I'm going to talk to you about this morning um, is Mary. And um, immediately, she's an unsung hero, because as soon as I said Mary, everybody thinks Mary, the mother of Jesus. Don't anyone think that? Yeah. But I'm not talking about her. Um, And then you think, oh, it must be Mary Magdalene. Um, But I'm not talking about her either. I'm talking about Mary, as in Mary and Martha. Uh, So if anyone... um, remembers that story, knows that story of Mary and Martha. And uh, so Mary, this Mary, has the dubious privilege of being probably the third most well-known out of the three Marys in the New Testament. And in order for us to know who we're talking about, we have to mention her sister. So she's not, actu- she's not exactly a huge star in her own right, but she is mentioned a few times in the Gospels, and there's a couple of uh, key stories that really illustrate why I would regard uh, this Mary as being a hero and someone that we can learn from. So I want to turn straight away to the first one, which is in uh, Luke chapter 10, and I'm going to read verses 38 to 42. So that's Luke chapter 10, uh, verses 38 to 42. As Jesus and his disciples were on their way, he came to a village where a woman named Martha opened her home to him. She had a sister called Mary, who sat at the Lord's feet, listening to what he said. But Martha was distracted by all the preparations that had to be made. She came to him and asked, Lord, don't you care that my sister has left me to do the work by myself? Tell her to help me. Martha, Martha, the Lord answered, you are worried and upset about many things, but only one thing is needed. Mary has chosen what is better, and it will not be taken away from her. Okay, and then I want to jump to another story, and this is uh, from John chapter 12 and verses 1 to 8. So John 12, verses 1 to 8, and we find the same uh, Mary and Martha, and Jesus spending time with them again. Uh, Six days before the Passover, Jesus arrived at Bethany, where Lazarus lived, whom Jesus had raised from the dead. Here a dinner was given in Jesus' honour. Martha served while Lazarus was among those reclining at the table with him. Then Mary took about a pint of pure nard, an expensive perfume. She poured it on Jesus' feet and wiped his feet with her hair. And the house was filled with the fragrance of the perfume. But one of his disciples, Judas Iscariot, who was later to betray him, objected. Why wasn't this perfume sold and the money given to the poor? It was worth a year's wages. He did not say this because he cared about the poor but because he was a thief. As keeper of the money bag, he used to help himself to what was put into it. Leave her alone, Jesus replied. It was intended that she should save this perfume for the day of my burial. You will always have the poor among you, but you will not always have me. So two stories there that illustrate that Mary was somebody who recognised 
the importance of Jesus and the importance of spending time with him. But you know that spending time with Jesus is the most important thing that any one of us can do. Uh, Now, over the past uh, couple of weeks, I've had some time away with my family. And it's always great just to get away from the normal routine and just uh, spend some time together. And uh, so we had a week in uh, Richmond in Yorkshire. And uh, we had about 10 minutes of sun, so that was good. And uh, while we were in Richmond, we stayed in a a nice house with lots of space. And and that was really great. And uh, then... We went for another couple of days up to Newcastle, which you might think, well, that's not particularly very glamorous, but uh, that's where I went to university, and so it was just nice to go back um, and spend a bit of time there. I've not really spent any time there for uh, around eight years, so it was good to just go back. And while we were in Newcastle, we were staying in a, in a hotel, and uh, so the four of us were sharing this one room, so it wasn't like a, a nice romantic getaway in a hotel. It's quite a different story when there's uh, two children there. Um, but we had to share the room with, these, uh, with uh, Caitlin and Jude, and so we put them in bed, and then there's kind of lots of creeping around um, after you put them in bed uh, so as not to wake them up or so that they can actually go to sleep in the first place. And when you're at home and you're sort of creeping around, you know all the floorboards that creak, don't you? And you know every door that squeaks, and you know all the little noises that your house makes, but in, in the hotel you don't know that. And let me tell you that every door squeaked and every floorboard creaked, and then, of course, you get those little uh, tiny hotel kettles. Have we all seen those? Really little ones. You only ever see them in hotels, little white plasticky uh, things. And they're really small, and it's really impossible to fill them up from the bathroom tap. Um, but they make so much noise, don't they? And uh, so this, we put the kettle on, and it was boiling. It sounds like a steam train is going through the, the hotel room. So eventually, with all this noise, and Caitlin just wasn't going to sleep, and uh, she just was excited about spending time with us in this hotel room and us all being together in the one room. And so we eventually resorted, much to Caitlin's excite- uh, excitement, uh, to making her a little tent. And I've got a picture of this uh, tent up here. <laughs> um, <coughs> so, uh, so she was in the little bed there. You can just see the bed poking out there. And we sort of put the curtain around to give her her own little tent and her own little um, bit of space in the hotel room. Um, to stop her from being distracted um, from us walking around and talking and all of this. Um, But that didn't particularly work either, because every so often we'd see a little foot poking out uh, just from the side there, and then eventually a head poking around the corner. And she just didn't want to go to sleep because she just wanted to uh, spend that time with us. And I think that's why it was anyway. I'd like to think that. Um, But, you know, that's the thing about children, that children are quite unpretentious about their need for relationship and their need to spend time with other people. And as we get to being adults, we kind of move on from that a little bit, unfortunately. And we can put a guard up and we can try and go it alone. But we do actually still need that connection, that time uh, with other people. And so in this first story, while Martha's getting everything ready, and it sounds like she was fretting about it quite a lot, doesn't it? While she was getting ready, Mary was there committed to spending time with Jesus. And kind of reading between the lines of the story you can almost see Martha's frustration a little bit. Because um, she's there saying, you know, she's doing all the work, and then there's someone else seemingly sitting there, not doing anything. Have we ever been in a situation like that? And you sort of wonder a little bit what Martha's reaction would be to what Jesus said, because he didn't actually say what I think she was expecting to hear. Because she says, can you not tell my sister to come and help me? And you can sort of imagine Jesus kind of sitting back and relaxing in the chair, or, you know, wherever he was, talking to Mary... And then he just sort of says, Martha, you're getting so worried about all these things. 
and Mary's done the right thing. And then you think Martha would be standing there thinking, well, does that mean they're going to help me or not? I'm not sure. Um, and she's there with the mixing bowl and the sink's overflowing and the cakes are burning and everything's going wrong. Um, but Jesus doesn't tell her exactly what she wants to hear. But Jesus recognised that Mary had actually chosen the more important thing. She'd chosen to spend that time with him. But which one would we identify with more? Would we be more like Martha or would we be more like Mary? Let's think about that for a moment. Do we ever find ourselves, you know, distracted, as it says in here, Martha was distracted by all the preparations that had to be made. Have we ever been distracted by all the preparations that have to be made? Some of you might be thinking about Sunday dinner this afternoon already. But Jesus obviously identifies that that Mary has the right attitude here. And he valued this connection with this woman more than the meal and more than the the practicalities and the everyday business. And I know that in our house, um, if ever anyone's coming around for a meal or coming around to see us, there's usually, not that our house is a a tip or anything, honestly, um, but with two children, sometimes it gets a little bit messier than you would want it to be. Anyone ever experienced that before? No, nope, oh, it's just us, obviously. <laughs> Everyone else's children tidy up after themselves all the time. That's really good. Okay. Um, but there's always this kind of mad panic to sort of tidy things up and shove things in cupboards and push things under the sofa. And, you know, so if you've ever been around to our house, that's what's been going on just before we've kind of opened the door and smiled and ushered you in. But let's not get so busy making preparations. And this applies in all sorts of circumstances. It can apply in our church life. Let's not be so busy making preparations that we miss the really important things that are right in front of us. And uh, most importantly, let's not be so busy making our preparations that we miss Jesus uh, right here in our midst. You know, we can get really attached to our roles and our routines in church. And sometimes we can be so kind of uh, preoccupied um, with what we're doing and what needs to be done that we forget the reasons why we do them. And, you know, firstly, we're here to worship God. And secondly, we're here to uh, bless the people around us. But, you know, if our heads are completely lost in all the the technicalities of, um, you know, it might be um, setting up microphones, it might be putting toys out, it might be sorting uh, tea and coffee out downstairs, all the different kind of things that are going on every week in church to make it all run smoothly. Obviously, we need to do those things, but if we're just so preoccupied with those that we haven't got time for the people that are here and time to speak to anyone, and time to connect with people, then we're missing out on something uh, much bigger. And probably missing out on the opportunity to receive what God wants to give us and say to us as well. And that can extend out into our everyday lives as well. It could be in work, it could be in our houses. Um, because, you know, if we're the kind of people that are always too busy to kind of look up from our desk properly and say hi to somebody as they go past, or if we're always racing down the corridor and we've never got time to stop, if we always come home and we've got so much to do we haven't got time to see the kids, then, you know, we're missing out. So we need to be careful that we're not so preoccupied with the many things that we miss out on the one thing. And Jesus says to to Martha in this uh, first story, Martha, Martha, you are worried and upset about many things. But only one thing is needed. Mary has chosen what is better. So let's be people who choose what's better. We need to spend time. Spend time with people. We need to spend time with Jesus. 
And in that kind of battle between people versus projects that can sometimes be an ongoing thing in church, then it's the people that should always come first. And you know, we live such busy lives, don't we? Anyone here live a busy life? Three people live a busy life. (laughs) The rest of you must all be on holiday at the moment. I think even the ones who didn't put their hand up probably do live busy lives. And, you know, we're we're kind of multitaskers nowadays, aren't we? Anyone here a multitasker? Okay. And so we can watch TV at the same time as we're, you know, surfing the internet and sending a text. And Eric will tell you about that. He does that all the time. Eric can actually uh, write an email, send a text, scuba dive and shoot a pheasant all at the same time. (laughs) Serious multitasker. And uh, I was reading this week the annual communications market report. Just, that's what I do. And, um, <laughs> and it says that the average person spends around 15 hours and 45 minutes every day awake. I'll just say that again. 15 hours and 45 minutes every day awake. So the first thing that jumped out to me about that was that there's somebody out there getting a lot more sleep than I am. <laughs> Because if my maths is right, that's 8 hours and 15 minutes sleep a night. So out of that time, that 15 hours and 45 minutes, it says that the average person spends 7 hours and 5 minutes engaging in media and communication activities. But if we take into account this multitasking, then it actually rises to 9 hours and 32 minutes. So that's a lot of time spent computing and watching TV and on the phone and all of those kind of things that can occupy so much of our time. We live in a busy, busy world. And it's busier probably now than it ever has been. And just to illustrate that, I was also reading this week about um, the first ever speeding fine. And uh, Eric might remember this. Um, This was in 1896. And Walter Arnold of East Peckham in Kent had the dubious honour of being the first person in Great Britain to be successfully charged with speeding on the 28th of January, 1896. He was travelling at approximately 8 miles per hour. And he'd exceeded the 2 miles per hour speed limit for towns. He was fined one shilling and costs, and Arnold had been caught by a policeman who had given chase on a bicycle. (laughs) So we live in quite a different world to those times. Things obviously move a lot faster than than they did then. And sometimes we just don't have time to slow down. Uh, Another thing that happened to us while we were away on holiday, we were in Newcastle. And um, one thing about Newcastle is it does rain sometimes. And uh, we were walking, um, we'd just spent a a couple of hours just walking um, around the city and then we were going to head down to the the quayside area to uh, go and have some dinner. And at that point that we were just walking down, and we you know, wanted to kind of look nice and presentable to go for dinner, it absolutely started pouring it down with rain like you've never seen it. And so we kind of ran and, and sort of sheltered in this shop doorway and thought, well, it'll just last for a couple of minutes and then, you know, we'll go again. In, we waited for about 10, 15 minutes and it got heavier and heavier and heavier. It was horrible. and We were just absolutely soaked and a bit miserable by this point. And uh, then this lady came sort of rushing towards us and she was a bit of a strange sight because she had this huge... Uh, kind of backpack on her back, and a violin, um, which was a little bit unusual. And then she started sort of complaining, and she didn't really stop talking the whole time. So we were kind of having this conversation, but it was quite one-sided. And 
um, she was telling us how she'd got to go to the cinema and she, her feet were absolutely soaked through and her socks were wet. Everything was wet and she didn't want to sit in the cinema for two hours um, with soaking wet feet. I don't know why she had a violin to go to the cinema. Um, I didn't know whether she was going to be like the equivalent of the man who used to play the organ at the end and play the violin at the end of the film or something. I don't know. Um, but why she had this violin, not quite sure. But um, as we had this conversation, without really any warning or explanation, um, she started uh, rolling up her trousers and so kept rolling them up like this, rolling them up. Um, and then she took her shoes off. And um, then she started putting the shoes into her backpack. And so we were kind of exchanging glances at each other by this point. And then she started peeling her socks off and kind of, you know, waving these socks, as a, uh, socks around. And it was still absolutely pouring it down with rain uh, all this time around us. And then she said... Uh, right, I think I'm just going to go for it because otherwise I'm going to be late. And so with her trousers rolled up to her knees like this and no uh, shoes on, no socks on, um, across this busy street, if we've just got a picture of it up here, um, and this is where she ran through, uh, but imagine it absolutely soaked and pouring with rain. And she did something that looked a little bit like this. And just... Oh, it's there. Uh, so our reaction to that was probably a bit like yours was when I started doing that just then. It was a very strange sight and um, just kind of showed that people are in such a hurry. She didn't have time to wait while it stopped raining, but she just took her shoes off and her socks off and legged it across the streets of Newcastle in the pouring rain. And then I could imagine her sitting in the cinema for two hours with, I don't know, <laughs> what state her feet would have been in then. I'm not sure. Um, but sometimes we do need to stop and slow down. And if we don't do that, sometimes we can lose sight of what's actually going on around us. And we can even lose sight of the people that are around us. See, Mary recognised that she had an opportunity to spend time with Jesus. And this was a rare opportunity. And Martha, in a way, she kind of wasted that opportunity a little bit because she was so preoccupied with the other things. But Mary wanted to learn from him. And get to know everything that she could about him. And vice versa, Jesus could have been doing lots of other things. I'm sure there's so many other people that he could have been speaking to. So many other things that he could have been doing. But he chose to spend that time with Mary. And I want to just um, ask you, do we ever really consider how much each individual person... So think about each individual person here. How much each individual person actually matters because sometimes we can see a big group of people like this and it's just a group. But each person within that group matters and matters to God. And you know, we can sometimes just be quite dismissive of that and just look at the surface and put a label on people. And I realise I've kind of done that in my own notes because in my little prompt for that story I've put crazy woman in Newcastle. So <laughs> yeah, that's kind of putting a bit of a label on it. So I shouldn't have done that, should I? Um, <laughs> so we can... We can do that sometimes, but I want you to just consider and that we all have so many different layers to our character. You know, I would say, if I'm being honest, that um, I guess I'm quite a, a shy person, a quiet person, a reserved person, but other times I can be loud and I can be silly and all sorts of other things because we all have so many different um, sides and layers to our personalities. Anyone agree with that? And I want you to just to think about this, and this might seem a strange question, but I want you to consider how you would see yourself if you met yourself 
for the first time. How would you see yourself if you met yourself for the first time? Does that make sense? Sort of. So how much would you learn about yourself straight away? Would you see what really makes you tick? Would you, would you know about that deep passion that you have? Would you know about those experiences in your life that have shaped you and made you who you are today? Would a few minutes of small talk reveal the true character? And how many times would you need to actually talk to yourself to fully um, get an insight into who you are? Five times, ten times, a hundred times. But yet we can so quickly make snap judgments about other people and label them. And really what we need to do is spend time with people. We need to learn about people. We need to relate to people. Because every single person here in this room and every single person outside of this room matters so much to God and they need to matter to us as well. And this is illustrated in this story that Mary and Jesus just spent that time speaking to each other. Despite all the other things that could have been going on, despite the other things they could be doing, they spent that time to learn about each other and connect. And the other thing that Mary did that is really important here is that, um, and teaches us a lesson, in that we can learn from other people if we allow ourselves time to listen to what they're actually saying. Because it says in that first story in Luke 10 that Mary sat at Jesus' feet. And I think that's quite an important detail that doesn't seem like it was put in by mistake. It seems like it's there for a reason, to tell us something. And I want you just to picture that for a moment because... Mary's sitting at Jesus' feet, so that kind of assumes this lower position. It's like she's in this childlike, humble position, and she's there to learn from Jesus, who's teaching her something. She recognises that she's got much to learn from Jesus, so she sits at his feet. And there's a bit of a challenge in that for us. And I want to encourage you that we should never, and this applies to everybody here, that we should never become unteachable. It can be easy to kind of think that we've got to a certain point and we know it and we know what we're doing, but we need to learn from other people. You know, there's people around, <clears throat> around this room that I would regard as mentors, as, as teachers to me, as people that, um, you know, that I listen to, that I learn from, that have taught me so much. People that sometimes I just observe and see what they do because I recognize that they've got so much to teach me. And sometimes we need to be willing to sit at another person's feet. And we need to ensure that we never stop listening intently to the voice of Jesus. Now, I had a friend at uni in Newcastle who um, was a really good friend to me, but I also regarded him as, as kind of a mentor to me, as someone who taught me a lot. He was only a couple of years older than me, but um, quite a wise person, and um, I spent a lot of time with him. Um, and learned a lot from him. And so when I was in Newcastle again this last week, I got in touch with him, and we met up uh, for a couple of hours, and it was great because it was kind of just like old times that we got talking again. It was kind of, you know, like, because I've not really seen him for uh, those past few years, but it was really good. But I kind of felt that there was a sort of something missing in a way because he hasn't met Jane, he hasn't met my family, um, because obviously I knew him from before I was married. And it kind of felt a little bit like, without meeting them, then 
he kind of didn't know me fully now. He didn't know the person I am now because <clears throat> the person I am now is so shaped by uh, my family, by the people that I connect with. And I think that's true of all of us, that when we open ourselves up to other people, then they begin to shape who we are. They begin to give us our identity. We become more than just ourselves. And when we open ourselves up to Jesus, that's even more the case, that he begins to shape us and change us and make us into the person that we should be. So that's what Mary recognised, and we need to learn that from her. Um, Now, in the second story, uh, Mary pours this oil over the feet of Jesus um, as this act of worship and adoration. And there's a similar story in Matthew and Mark of a a woman pouring oil over Jesus. And um, the scholars uh, seem to be divided over whether it's the same incident, because some of the details are different, um, or whether it is a completely different occasion. I don't really know, and maybe Phil or Eric could help you out with that one. Um, But it's clear that at some point, Mary, the sister of Martha, poured oil over the feet of Jesus and anointed him as an act of worship and devotion to him. This was real Uh, devotion. This was real worship. And uh, I know a little bit about essential oils, Um, not because I've studied this myself, but I've learned this from Jane. And uh, Jane likes to buy these little oils. Have we come across these before? And this is um, mandarin oil, and I don't know what this is actually any good for. What would this do, Jane? She doesn't know. An expert on (laughs) essential oils. Well, it makes the bath smell nice. Uh, that's something that Jane likes to do, to put these oils in the bath. And uh, I like to do that now as well. <laughs> and, you know, if you think that's a little bit girly, obviously that's only after I've spent the whole day out, you know, sawing wood in the shed. and <laughs> Then after the bath, straight into the living room to watch the rugby. And so it's all okay, don't worry. Um, but these little oils can be quite expensive, just a little tiny bottle like that. But it talks in this passage about Mary pouring this uh, pound of pure uh, nard, which was worth one year's wages, so pretty expensive stuff. It's kind of another message that we don't really have time for this morning, but true worship, real worship, is costly. You know, if you're really passionate, and you make statements saying that you're passionate about God, that you want to give everything to God, then sometimes those statements of passion might be put to the test. And Mary kind of rose to that challenge. And she'd, she showed here that she really was prepared to sacrifice what she had to devote herself to Jesus. And sometimes, you know, I've, I've questioned this story because I've almost, I think, kind of thought, well, I don't know, has Judas got a point here? You know, she's pouring this oil out, but it could have been given to the poor. And, you know, there's a lot of money's worth there, and obviously we're supposed to help the poor, aren't we? Um, And so I can almost identify with that. But then um, I started to realise as I've read it more carefully that this oil, it wasn't like, you know, it was put to one side and it was ever designated to be given to the poor. Uh, That's not what it would have been used for. It was her oil. She'd got it there. It was kind of her savings, her um, investment for the future, her pension. And she was prepared uh, to give it away. And Judas's claim that it could be given to the poor was only out of his own uh, self-interest, because it says in that passage that he liked to uh, dip into the, the money that was set aside for, for the poor. The other, um, and so the interesting thing about this oil, this uh, nard oil, is that through history, 
it's been associated with the passage uh, from life to death. And uh, another thing about it um, is that it was one of the ingredients that made up the incense in the temple. So it had this connection with being holy, being special and set apart. And Jesus actually rebukes Judas when Judas says that money could have been given to the poor. Jesus says that Mary's got it right because she's preparing me for my burial. See, Mary understood. And this passage shows that. She understood Jesus. She understood, uh, like we've talked about earlier, the layers of his character. She understood his full identity, his true nature. She understood his holiness. And she understood his death that was about to come. And the reason for that was because Mary had spent time with Jesus. We don't know about other, perhaps other times, um, that she may have spent with Jesus, learning from him, talking to him. But we certainly know about that one where she sat at his feet and spoke to him, connected with him, and learned from him. And therefore, because she did that, she got it. She understood him. And we can learn from that because when we spend time with other people, engage with them, then our connection, our understanding, our relationship, and our love for each other can move to a completely different level. And likewise, when we spend time with Jesus, our reward is that we begin to see more of his character. And I'm reminded of that song that we sing, um, King of Wonders, that says, the more we see, the more we love you. So the more time that we spend with Jesus, the more we can learn from him and be shaped by him and be changed by him. And so just some um, quick fire lessons that we can learn from Mary. And if you're making notes, it'd be great to just jot these down. And these are just really quick points. That Mary shows us that we need to, firstly, listen intently. To learn continually. To prioritise ruthlessly. And worship extravagantly. And when we do those things, then we'll be able to understand clearly. And we want to be people who understand clearly who Jesus is and what he has for us. You know, Mary risked the security of her finances. She risked the security of her reputation because it was quite a foolish thing to do in front of these people to pour out all this oil. But she was prepared to give away something valuable and prepared to look foolish in order to be fully devoted to the Lord. And it makes another point, and again, it doesn't seem like it's in there uh, by accident, that it says that as Mary poured out this oil, this perfume, the fragrance of it filled the entire house. And you know, if we are prepared to pour everything that we've got out before Jesus, if we really listen to him, if we really let his voice guide us, if you really let his voice change you, then the fragrance of your devotion will fill the house. And others will notice, and others will be changed. So I want us to bow our heads, and we're just going to pray.